You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad that you're here and that we're spending some time together today. And I'm thrilled to share the work of my guest with you. His name is Rodney Hicks, and he was one of the original cast members of Rent, the Broadway show. And out of all the renditions over the years, the original cast was always my favorite. I listened to the soundtrack on repeat, um, and I tell him this because I'm not ashamed. (laughs) It was just such a beautiful show. And so, of course, I have to ask him about his time on Rent. Uh, We talk about composer John Larson. We talk about um, actor Anthony Rapp, who was with him in the show. And oddly enough, I've actually interviewed Anthony's brother, Adam Rapp, on this show when he came out with his show on Broadway, The Sound Inside. So it was a very small world moment, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, But really, what this episode is about is about self-love. It's about healing from trauma, all the different therapies that are out there that actually work and they're backed by science. We talk about the power of love, which you know kind of goes back to rent and its philosophy and how we're all connected and how powerful that truly is. And it all starts with loving ourselves. And that's probably one of the hardest things we can do in our lifetimes is to peel back the trauma, peel back the layers, look at ourselves fully, love ourselves, and then take that emotion, that feeling, and share it with others. So oh, this is such a powerful episode. He is a powerhouse in himself. Um, I'm just thrilled, really, to share his voice with you. Um, and his new movie, A Mighty Oak, is out now. It's available on Amazon Prime and Apple TV, so be sure to go check that out and support him in that. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Rodney Hicks. Hey guys, before we dive into this episode, I want to talk about show sponsor, Haya Vitamins. Now, this is a company that was created by two dads who were sick and tired of vitamin companies out there selling sugar to children under the guise of nutrition. Now, this is a company that is doing things absolutely the right way. There is no sugar in these things. They're filled with actual nutrition. And I was on Facebook the other day and a mom was asking for vitamin recommendations and that to comment on Facebook, that is not my thing. I'm usually just there to stalk. And I had to jump in and tell her about Haya because every other mom that was offering up suggestions, I knew that the vitamins were full of sugar. And I was like, "Ah, if I can do something and save her from basically giving her kids candy instead of nutrition, I'm going to do it. So if you're interested in trying them out, we've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya Health for their best-selling children's vitamin. This is just for Motherhood and Stress podcast listeners, and you receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com forward slash unstressed or enter the code unstressed at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash unstressed to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Full discount is applied at checkout. Hello, Ronnie. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. It's really great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I mean, your body of work is incredible. Rent, I remember listening to it on repeat in the seventh Uh-oh. grade. It was my favorite. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you were in the original cast, but take us back even further. How did you make your way to the stage? Oh, gosh. Yes. That began, I was seven years old. And I can remember that so vividly. My aunt Sherry, she was in a local production in Philadelphia, uh, I believe at the Wilma Theater or somewhere about that, uh, doing a production of Amos Behaven. And it's interesting, uh, that comes back in my life actually, uh, in three ways. But watching her rehearse for it 
was everything. And I was a child of trauma, right? So Mm -hmm. that kind of theater. And I was also that uh, young person who would sit by the TV and memorize the entire show, you know? And also, instead of listening to the radio, and this was for years, listening to the radio wasn't my thing. It was always cast recordings. I would get the cash recordings, you know, the library, because we didn't have internet back then. I'm 46, right? (laughs) And uh, I would go to the library and I lived at every library and I would get cash, original Broadway cash recordings. And I would look at the liner notes. It was all about opening it up. (laughs) And it was beautiful. And so that took me on a journey of imagination. And I used to write what I thought the book was based on the music you know, and put on plays in my grandparents' living room with my cousins. And we would dance and sing. And, and it was, that was our joy. That was, and I took it all so seriously. <laughs> Even as a small child. Oh, yes. I, my cousins, you know, they were doing it for fun. Yeah. Me, I was like, okay, so your hand has to be here. And when we come down the steps, <laughs> you know, I mean, at one point, I even asked my grandmother if we could do the whiz in our living room. Wow. With the neighborhood. Clearly that did not happen. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I went as far as to say, I think I was probably like 11. Uh, I went as far as to say, we can sell tickets. We can put posters up in the neighborhood. I was that kid always thinking with my imagination and knowing that all I ever wanted to do was be on Broadway and a television show. And like, but not knowing why, I just knew it was a purpose. And so now you flash forward to now, all the life I've lived, it's, oh, right, I know why I'm in this industry and why I'm still in this industry is because there's a purpose for a greater good outside of the artist, outside of, look at me, I'm performing. And the misconception for young artists and for artists in general, we all start off as young artists, is, you know, a lot of parents and people, shut up, sit down, you know, you're just trying to be seen, you're showing off. And what's in being instilled is shame, actually, you know, of just expressing yourself. So I had a lot of that, but I also had my grandmother who never once did she say, sit down. Wow. So that is, that is something that I, I treasure. And I'm grateful that as I get older, I feel like I carry a lot of her um, gratitude, a lot of her compassion for people. So, and I think it bodes me well in the times that we're in today. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's so important. You know, everyone wants to, on some level, be seen and be heard. And so to have that gift as a very young child from a family member, I think her legacy will forever live on through you and your work. Forever, (laughs) honey. Forever. No, really, forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. So, you know, when you're on the stage doing Rent night after night, I know this is years ago, um, but did you feel like you were exactly where you were supposed to be in that moment, like fully present, fully alive? Such a beautiful question. Thank you. I did not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I mean, let's just keep it really 100, right? Is you, there were so many factors in my life, in my young life at that time. I had just, I was just turning 22 years old. 
I was 21. I still hadn't yet graduated from college. College, and looking back, is it's built for your formidable years. It's built for you to really get out of your home environment. And it's built for you to, how do I walk in the world? And you know, and who are these people? I did two years of that. And then I went into the real world. Mm -hmm. So I'm in this show, this spectacular show, but also I met Jonathan Larson in that same year of 95, of February 95 doing a show he wrote called Blocks with Anthony Rapp and Yasmin Ehlers. Yasmin would soon be one of our original company members as our um, as standby uh, understudy. So I knew Jonathan as a friend. I was at his apartment. And so it was, I knew why he wrote this show, even though I was in a show at that point in my life where I was afraid of everything in it. You know, I was this questioning queer, queer young man, you know, who was engaged to a woman at that time, all of 21, you know, and just thought, I'm going to have, okay, I'm going to live for my family, right? For what I think my family wants me to be, this straight man. And so it was hard um, to be in a piece that celebrated everything that I was terrified of being. In living, you know, because of what was instilled, what was conditioned, not just family, but what was conditioned in our world at the time. You think 1994, everything that's going on and to not be a young person who was, this is who I am. Hey, I'm claiming it. No, I was acting this show. And also our friend died. Our composer died, and yet that was my first uh, introduction to compartmentalizing emotion and carrying on, even though I had no clue that that's what it was, right? Later from therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, all of that, and really, and also I was still in trauma and suffering from so long ago. So you, and then you're on this rocket, Honey, that's just a a hot mess. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and I and I and I say that with so much love because if I could talk to my younger self at that time, I would have said, sit down, enjoy the journey, and celebrate this man's life. Because through rent, through all the years it was on Broadway, at, even after I left. I came to the show and I would sit in the back in the soundboard. And I think I've watched every single cast who came through that, those, the Needlelanders Theater. And sometimes I would not say that I was there. I would just watch them and be there, A, to grieve, but also learn about identity and learn about loving myself, to, to take the self-hate away. And it really wasn't until I moved out of New York, this is now... Um, 10 years ago. Oh no, 2012, I officially moved out of New York. So that's eight years ago. Um, and I, that's when I began the journey of, I'm going to get a therapist. And my husband, who's now my husband, he's like, let's do couples therapy. And it wasn't for, it was, he had this, he's been a meditator for years. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't meditating at that time. And he didn't say, hey, babe, let's meditate. So I say all of that to say, I didn't have any of that in my life in 1996. All I had 
was fight or flight and suffering, and yet I'm performing over top of it. So that's a very loaded question. You know, I could easily say, oh, it was great. It was awesome. But this is 2020, you know, and you and your viewers deserve more than that. So we all, we all were in some form of what is this that we're in? But we're in it. And majority of everyone believed, knew what it was, you know, mm-hmm. and Jonathan passed on that evening that the night before he was having his interview with the New York Times. It's, and he kept talking about that. I, I, he kept saying, my dream is to have an interview with the New York Times. Mm-hmm. He knew what his show was going to do. He always said that. The confidence, the humble confidence. And that night before, I was uh, leaving the theater and I saw him in the New York Theater Workshop. There's like a sound booth, right? And it's, you know, it's 250 seats at that time. And I'm walking because backstage was like the stage and literally backstage, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't any kind of, it was just, you know, off Broadway and humble and beautiful. I walked up and I saw John give his interview and he turned, we had this moment and he just gave me a thumbs up. You know, because we had just did our invited dress and that was the last time I saw him alive. And then I found out that day, uh, the next day, I was at an audition and I was told something about your composer. You should, Alan Filderman, the casting director, said to me, I was auditioning for Avenue X. And he said, after my callback, he said, "Uh, you have to go down to your theater, something about your composer. And at that time, I wasn't tuned in, tapped in to... Uh, channeling and to uh, chakra and all of that energy. I was the opposite. I was absorbing everyone's energy, you know, when we first started off from that. And, but I knew something happened. And that day we did it for family and friends. And Michael Greif, our director, he said, we'll just do, we'll just sit at the tables, you know. And we got to Live Eagle and beautiful Anthony Rapp, he stood up and raised his glass, dearly beloved. Whew, it was, I mean, I get chills now thinking about it because, you know, when you've healed from it, you can look back with proper eyes and go, wow. So that is the gift that if you ask me today, how was it? And looking back, I can say the one part of it. The, the, the sadness, but then I can say there was so much joy because in that moment we were celebrating Jonathan's life, La Vie Boheme, and we knew that was his epitaph. And we were the bearers of that for him. And even if we didn't know it, we got on that table we, and we just lived for him. And after we came out for intermission, before we came out, uh, we, we were told, uh, let's put Act Two on its feet. We finished Seasons of Love standing in that line and you could hear a pin drop. There was silence for so long and someone said, thank you, Jonathan. Mm. So, yeah. So, so, so it, it, it's, it was the most thrilling time, but it was also balanced. And I think my life has always been that, right? And I had to learn how to just stand in life, whatever weather it is. And you know, that takes a lot of work. 
Oh my God. It's called the work for a reason, right? All of the meditation, all of the therapy, it's the most grueling thing there is, but it's like, if you don't do it, you're never, I don't think you're ever fully alive. You're never fully there if you don't tap in. No, you're, 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 and and, and I can say this in retrospect, right? You're scraping, you're existing, you're merely existing and not really living and answering the hard questions to yourself and really fully liberating you're what youth, and really, we have to actually unlearn as we grow. That's really what I think everyone, we all have to unlearn all of it so that we don't look back on all of our life experiences with animosity or a chip. And then we go back to like things that you wouldn't even think about, you know, but you're, you realize, why do I have this emotional hardness towards it? I need to look EMDR helped me with all of that. Oh, so talk to the listener about that because I know about it, but I think it's pretty, it's not really talked about. It's not, you know, and I think EMDR really, I don't think I'd be here right now in this moment to be here now creating as an artist fully with love and with a controlled love as opposed to a uh, angry love, which is all valid, right? Because I believe that everyone has their ministry and walk in this life. And, you know, someone asked me about uh, defunding police and, and I thought, I took a breath, EMDR. <laughs> I took a breath and I said, that's not my ministry to talk about. I said, it's little things where you, it drops you into mindfulness. Mm-hmm. EMDR is rapid eye therapy. And what happens is that the therapist will, it's almost not hypnosis, but it's really just them connecting to all of the trauma points you've had in your life. And you go back. It is grueling work. But for me, I, it was a time I was diagnosed with a neurological condition. It's a, it's a speech condition called spasmodic dysphonia. And I, you know, left my job and I had this time, right? Which I thought was going to be a time of pain, of upheaval. But it was blessed. It was a blessing because I said, okay, I had therapy twice a week. You know, I had Reiki sessions once a week. This lasted for eight to nine months. Wow. My heart, talk about cracking open. And I was able to do the pause that I believe people are doing now. Because the world has said, I'm going to give you a pause. And I think for me, it was God saying, Job, sit down. I'm going to teach you about something if you want to listen. And I was able to really, really do this soul work. You know, I delved into Pema Chodron even more, not just reading and going, oh, I love Pema. You know yeah, what I mean? right. <laughs> As is like, fashionable to do. Yes. And it was like, I studied it. And she was on repeat, you know, it was all of her ministries and teachings and it's not and I say ministry not in a religious way but in a soul way that we can all relate to and I went into Tikkat Han this was all from EMDR therapy wow. and if you are still curious about it the, the listeners look it up EMDR and there's another thing I if you can see me awesome uh, if you can't then I'll describe it it's called tapping 
it's kind of brilliant and it's so simple and it's almost like you can give yourself your own kind of summer vacation, right? If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling anxious, this knot of anxiety, take your hands and you just tap, tap your forehead and you'll start to feel a release. You can tap underneath your eye, underneath your eyes, your jawlines, and there will be an emotional response that happens internally in your body and it'll calm things down. What is it? Because I've done it and I understand that. I understand the feeling, but do you know the science behind it? Why we react that way? You know what? I only know specifically for my body. So it's very, I, I think everyone will have a different experience from it. Right. I also do Qigong as well. Q-I-G-O-N-G every morning. And I started this in 2015 when, you you know, when you first start your walk of mindfulness and awareness and uh, and meditation, you take it very too seriously. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like (laughs) sitting up as straight as you can on the meditation plane. (laughs) Exactly. You're like, I'm showing you that I am here. And, And everything is so like... And I had to go through that because, again, when you've taught how to smile over pain, right, it's that, you know what I mean? And I spent my life in not really knowing that I was doing that, right? Not knowing that I wasn't dropping into being in the present moment. So once you do that and you start to uncover, I remember it was... I started to learn how to smile without smiling. If you're like me and you adore a calming glass of wine at the end of the day with dinner, then I'm really excited to tell you about this new company that's sponsoring the show called Usual Wines. Now, it's not just because they don't add sugar, which they don't. It's not just because the wine tastes fantastic, which it does. My favorite thing about this company has to be that they package it in these 6.3 ounce individualized bottles per box. What that means, ladies and gentlemen, is that there's no more waste beautiful bottles of wine because you didn't drink the whole bottle in one sitting. You literally open a bottle, pour it in, and you're good to go. And if you want one, open another one, but you're not putting a cork in a larger bottle of wine. And then the next day it doesn't taste as good because I can't tell you how many times that's happened and how soul crushing that is because you want to have, you know, the same taste the next day and it's just not there. So usual wines has completely hacked that. I think it's brilliant what they're doing. And the wine again, is no added sugar. They harvest it at just the right time. A lot of wine companies harvest it too early, so there's all this added sugar involved. They don't do that, and it's straight out of Sonoma County, so you know it's good. So be sure to go check out their website at www.usualwines.com and use my discount code UNSTRESSED for $8 off your first order. Literally, it was a practice I needed to do for six months. And I was actually in the middle, in the beginning of a show, Come From Away in La Jolla, when I decided to embark on that. And I, everyone's used to me smiling and being so here. And I, I can't help but smile, but, but I was learning to smile from within. And I knew if you don't understand it, I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. But I, yes. it's, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's, I spent so many years just, uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to just, let's see what happens when I can just, the corner of my lips, and that's my smile. And in my meditation, breathing in, I know I'm smiling. Breathing out, 
I feel good. You know, little things, little mantras and just sitting. I learned to begin to sit with myself. Yeah. So this whole quarantine, it was, you know, a dear friend of mine, she joked, she goes, <laughs> this was in February. She said, you're probably going to be one of the only people that knows how to thrive in a quarantine. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, I mean, also I, I've been an introvert for my whole life and to, you know, but that was because I had a fear of people. You know, I said uh, in, a, in an Instagram, Facebook post about, talk a little bit about trauma, about how uh, it's seen through people who are going through it. It's like this. Mm-hmm. It's a veil and you, you, you can't help but to be locked in it. And all of this is, is misperceptions because that's yeah. all you know until this gets lifted. And it is like the song in Aladdin, A Whole New World. (laughs) Because you don't walk into a room thinking everyone's out to get me. Or this person doesn't like me or that person doesn't like me. Because as empaths, we have a whole weight to bear. Yeah. And to really, it's, you know, and and it's interesting. I'm a spiritual person. I I don't conform to any one religion, right? But uh, I love reading about religions and I love you know it's like take what you take what makes sense for you um like the bible in Romans it says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind mm-hmm. and that's really I think the root of what everyone's talking about from Pema Chandra to the Dalai Lama to Thich Nhat Hanh you know and and it's whoever wrote that book those words you know it's it's for me, it's like it doesn't matter what you believe religiously, but those words are profound. And so in my life today, it's like I'm not trying to be this perfect person because we never will, and nor do I want to. <laughs> it's but I am walking and waking up to be the the best version of myself possible. And choice. It's a, oh, it's a deliberate choice because we're all deliberate creators, as Abraham Hicks says. It is a choice. And it's like, okay, do I get mad and angry at someone because what they did to me and caused me this deep pain? It's like now in my life, I'm like, no, oh God, no. Oh gosh, because that's going to tie me up in knots as well. And God, how do you do that though? Because our gut reaction is to anger, is to pain. I mean, you, I guarantee you, like you still feel it. How do you walk yourself back down? I'm asking for, ah, (laughs) for the listener who can't see this, what did you just show me? Yes. It is an amazing book called How to Love Thich Nhat Hanh. And you know, that, that, that's really, that, that's really the only way I can say that and if you don't mind can i read something from yes please Uh, there's two ones liberation from complexes often we can't love love ourselves or others fully when we're stuck in our own complexes when you have an inferiority complex you have low self-esteem and this is a kind of sickness high self-esteem is also a sickness because you consider yourself to be above others and that causes suffering as well Although equality is something good, it can also be a complex. When you say, I'm as good as he is, you still think you have a separate self. When you compare two selves to each other, suffering will result. Real liberty is freedom from all of these complexes. 
it's you know another book (laughs) (laughs) man's eternal quest you know and and it's interesting when i see those books like that they use man so like that's the force and put I say that loosely because, you know, I am so proud of the feminine energy that I have within me and like to come into this place to embrace that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's because we're all have two halves of everything. Right. And it, it's, you know, it's humanhood, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I believe in togetherness because I, because of everything I've come through in my life, I believe. And um, the work when I first started this path on healing to heal, I did not think that I'd make it. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. I mean, even two years ago, even been on this path for six years, even mm-hmm. two years ago, I thought, you know, I wasn't getting uh, past certain places with jobs because, you know, I had just came off of not being able to talk or saying all of these things. And I was like, am I ever going to work again? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and at that point, I'm like, I can talk again. I don't understand. And, and I literally, for a point, I thought, I don't know if I want to be here. Mm-hmm. And it was my amazing agent, who is one of my best friends. We've been 16 years, right? And I called her because I didn't want to keep putting it on my husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I've been talking to my therapist and I just, I said, I need to call someone and who I know is not going to carry it. Mm-hmm. And like that kind of friend that's steel, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, and she said, no, you are not, you know? And it was just like, sometimes it's all you need to hear. Yeah. Sometimes you need, you need to just get it all out. I didn't, I just needed to hear that reinforcement. Cause I've been in that place in my life. Right. Once when I was younger, uh, and, and as a teenager, and then another, when I was in my twenties. So I knew these, the place and I'm like, okay, this is a choice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You've worked way too hard. And you may, the job may not happen that today or then, but it will. By the end of that year, that is when I got Mario. Wow. Random, all kindness. Frank Reagan, the producer, he just texted me. You know, I actually shared uh, a lot a lot of my uh, early childhood trauma, like publicly and, you know, with no job, you know, and just kind of I did it for my soul, mm-hmm. you know, and because that was the journey I was on. And that next morning I got a text and he said, there's a role in this movie that I think you'd be wonderful for. And would you mind putting yourself on tape? I said, absolutely. And amazing. It's like when you deal with the darkness, you sit with the darkness and you process it. It's like everything else opens up for you. It's been waiting for you the whole time. Path becomes clear because the way was always there. You know, even in my industry, you know, yes, I can say, oh, well, I've been, you know, unseen or all of these things. I can say that. But you know what? I wasn't ready to be seen, honey. You know, I wasn't ready to take that journey and all that it means and to not just take the journey and go, I got my TV show. I got my movie. So I'm going to be all about here about right. No. Oh no. There's actually, you know, now you have to really go, wow. Okay. My art is my message and my being, my being is history has its eyes on you. 
And for me to know that the history that has its eyes on me is all filled with love and compassion and understanding. It's like, we're rooting for you, honey. You know, I love saying honey. So by the way, it's not, <laughs> I, 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 I did, like, I will say it to the, to the biggest burly man, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's comfortable for me, you know, and it's something that I, I remember telling my aunt and she's like, when did you start saying honey? <laughs> I said, when I liberated myself Aww. and I didn't put judgment on myself or how I'm supposed to be, you know, I mean, being an actor, being a black actor, being a black gay actor in the 90s and 2000s being, you know, it, it was because, yes, white actors were coming out. I had my friend Chad Allen. Oh, he was outed, you know, and I watched him not have a career. Mm. I literally watched him go from Dr. Quinn and the med- medicine woman to nothing. Right. And I was like, I literally was in L.A. It was 1998, 99. And I was like, um, I'm going home. <laughs> I, I mean, I had a girlfriend, another girlfriend at the time, you know, and I thought, well, she's bisexual, so it's okay. And, but I knew I was gay, gay, gay. And I was suppressing it. And I was that gay person in the closet who, among things, was would tell, I had a lot of straight friends, you know, and I would, my go-to was, I'm not going to tell them I'm, I'm, I'm gay because I don't want them to think I want something from them. Oh, wow. And that was the hardest thing Mm -hmm. because every day you're like, I want to just tell you, dude, I don't want anything from you, but I'm gay. I mean, I went as far as going to strip clubs with friends, you know, knowing that this lap dance is doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wasting all this money. (laughs) I'm like, I think you are beautiful. I think, but like, it's not (laughs) for me. And I also didn't want to be with my friends in that way. I just... I, I was afraid to be with people who were gay, not for any negative or sexual reason, actually. It was for, it was too close. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I'm not there yet. And I don't know how to be free to be you and me. <laughs> well, and again, going back to like you being an empath and you having this like childhood trauma, which I think makes people even more sensitive because you're always in this like survival type mode. So you're always watching others. Yeah. You're always understanding situations. Like you are on all the time. All the time. So what was, I mean, I'm curious, like going back to what you said, what was the drive to sit in that first therapy session? Like what got you in there? I mean, that was a completely life-changing moment. That was love, honestly, you know, because before that I was in a 10 year relationship with a beautiful human being, you know, who was in a, a job that, oh gosh, if he said he was gay, you know what I mean? Because um, it was sports. And it was, so then I lived his life, right? This closet mm-hmm. life. And at first it was comfortable because I was closet. I was 26 years old when we met, you know, and he was much older than me. And I thought, you know, and I loved him, you know, and I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, you're like Clark Kent, you know? And, mm-hmm. but not. Because when you realize the complexities of all of that and the, the, uh, the suppression of oneself, it, it, it's like, whoa. So I would then not tell my friends. And, tell, and so for 10 years, I was in the relationship nine years too long because mm-hmm. my beauty is that I learned how to be a friend. I mean, I started doing all of my inter- internal coming outs during that time to friends, you know, and by the end of that relationship, 
I was closeted out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I, it was, I was ready. And I meet my husband who, oh, just randomly. And that began the process. Because I, I tried to do therapy once. And the therapist fell asleep. Ah. <gasps> No, no, no. You know what? In retrospect, I was that at first. (laughs) I didn't know how to be in therapy because I was just used to, I'm just going to tell what I think they want to hear. That's what I'm going to do. And he saw that. He saw that. I get it. And it was like, you know, uh, an insurance uh, led person. So he was like, I'm going to get this money regardless. Right. And that was my intro to therapy. So when I grew up, I kept wanting therapy, but that wasn't how my dad raised us, right? Unfortunately, because that could have helped him as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And which in later in life, you know, you find out all these things. And when I received an apology from my dad two months before he died, it was like, and then I did all of my acknowledgements in my life in those months before my dad died, so then my voice came back the morning that he passed. And not just, I don't think it's just because he said, I forget, you know, I, you know, um, forgive me or whatever. I'm sorry. It was because I actually did my own life thing as well. And therefore it was, oh, these generational traumas and all of these things, it stops here. Yeah. The self-hating, all of that. And I'm now going to start trying to figure out how to build Rodney Hicks and make this choice because you know your dad dies right or your mother dies those lineages Mm -hmm. and then you're literally every person on this planet goes with who am I now who am I now and that then I had already started this other inward journey but then it was 2018 who do who who are you now how are you going to live for where you want to go or do you want to live to where you've been? I say live to where you want to go. You know, so it, it's, and it's, it's a journey every single day. And it's, I think it's net for me now. It's a beautiful journey because, you know, things can be going all crazy in the world like it is. And my heart doesn't flutter or stop yeah. or like get twisted in knots. And it doesn't. And then I think, do I have a pulse? (laughs) Um, But I realize that I go into more meditation and because also self love is the key because you can't give on an empty stomach. You, you, you can't give any gas if there's no gasoline. I was also in the category of overextending myself. That's how I worked my trauma. I helped everybody and like nothing left for me for years. You know, no one took anything from me, actually. Thank God. Uh, But it was I was always over helping, helping and just, you know, not knowing how to help, but trying. And when you're living through trauma, you then will. I'll just say whatever I need to say to help that person as opposed to going, "Ooh, ooh, 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 my full intention. Mindful intention. Mindful intention, if you can't know, is the most powerful word in the English language. Yes. That I think we're all, on many levels, we've all been conditioned to be afraid of. You know? And I don't think now. And But, but there's many ways that no can be said mm-hmm. now. 
with it, love. With love, there's that compassion. There's that no, no, thank you. You know, mm-hmm. and like again, that's not my ministry. <laughs> you know? I'm going to start saying that because I think that's brilliant. <laughs> yes, I mean because you, it's like you know, I'm supposed to teach, speak on uh, um, healing and compassion on Sunday, and uh, you know, I, I really was not adamant, but very much control the story. You know, it's, this is what I love to talk about. And this other, I I don't have enough information on that to be an adequate spokesperson for. There are many qualified people, you know, and for me, I, I like to say, well, because I'm black doesn't mean that I, uh, have all of the this is what I'm going to talk about here and, and, and the knowledge but I do have knowledge on knowing how to heal from trauma and to actually live my life with love and not anger and trauma speak you know and, and so it, it's that took so long mm-hmm. and it's like I tell my friends I'm like please be on that front line, you know, do it. I said, I know that my heart will not sustain that. And I want to be here for a long time. So my avenue, I've learned how to, my protest is love. I mean, if you want to really think about it, it's a complex thing, isn't it? You know, it's my, my protest is loving my fellow person. And I think a lot of people think that that equals weakness. And it's the strongest thing that you could ever do. It's the strongest thing. Peace and love and kindness. Kindness for nothing in return. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing. Kindness costs nothing. But you gain the world. I mean, it's kindness doesn't cost a thing. But it's one of those things where we forget. Because we think we're corny. We think that, oh, people are going to walk over me if I don't. I need to, you know, we, we, for years, people have been praised for their strength, for, oh, watch out for them. They, they have that thing. And you're like, okay, you know, and now I just kind of breathe and I just go, you don't actually need to rise up, actually. You, you, you just, just, we're right here. Yeah. We're right here. And, um, you know, I've just been on the journey now of learning how to walk through triggers. You know, Mm. like, you know, we're in a world of triggers now. And it's peace isn't the absence of chaos. Peace is with it all happening and you being able to stand in balance. There'll be ebb and flows. But that's the beauty of it. That's why you have your network, your close network. You have those, you know, my therapist would say when I was going through panic attacks, you know, years ago, I haven't had panic attack in so long. And so long. And, but he said, get three names and you just put them down. That those are your emergency contacts, your own person. We do that for jobs. Right. You know, a lot of, it's like make your own emergency contact list so that if you're going through something that you, they know what's coming on the other end, you know, or whatever. And they know it's not about them. And they know, oh, okay, I'm supposed to just be right here. <laughs> I'm just supposed to listen here. I'm not supposed to try to fix it. Because that's the other misconception. Yeah. 
That's it, not what you want. That's not what you need. That's not what people want. And I, ha- I learned that and was like, oh, okay. Okay, you can't help someone f- be fixed trying to fix them. Sometimes people, you just be there for them. So there's so much that, you know, I look forward to continuing to learn, you know, to the day I die, to really, how can I be of service, whether it's just through my art or whether it's just through waking up and saying, I love you. I don't even know you, but I love you. And knowing that change is possible in every human being, it is a choice. I love that. Oh my God. I could speak with you for hours. You're brilliant and kind and you are a true light worker. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I see it all in your eyes too. So it's I like, mean, you can see life. it. Like you can actually physically see it on someone when they are full of love and like what they're speaking is actually true and in alignment with what they believe. It's like, it shines out of them. And I see that in you. Thank you. It took a long time to really live, to let go, let go to live, you know, because we're all trees I really believe we're all trees, human trees, and leaves. We grow our leaves, and then they fall. And we're also, you know, if I may be so bold, snakes. Kundalini spirit mm-hmm. is, and I say snakes because not, not, not what people think, but you have to look at the beauty of it. They regenerate. They have a rebirths throughout their lives. They shed skin. And as humans, we actually have that capacity too. Yeah. We tune in, tap in, and lock in and go, oh, you mean I don't have to be this version of myself? Oh, oh, can you feel a brand new day? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that really is, our secret weapon is ourselves to know that, oh, the ideology that I was feed, been fed of hate rhetoric of this or that or us versus them, that actually can change. I don't have to believe this doctrine. Oh, that's how we break down the systemic everything. Yes. In an instant, it can happen that fast. It's amazing. Hence masks. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there's so much, but I really believe that the earth is saying, we just need to heal for a minute. Yeah. The earth is like, mama needs to heal. Okay. <laughs> and so- I don't, I don't know about you, but like with everything that's been going on, like, I feel like, you know, more spiritual people are ready for this, but it's like the masses now are too waking up and changing at a level that's never happened before. Never happened. Oh, I am so aligned with you. And like, even what with black lives matter, this is the first time a, a race of people of all races are like, oh my gosh, we're all in this together. Yes. It's not one over another. It's, oh, right. And I say to people who are white, to people, don't feel ashamed to say Black Lives Matter. Don't feel ashamed to say, I love my Black friends. I love my Black family. Don't be ashamed or afraid to speak out. And if anyone is saying, oh, we don't need to hear from you, that's, you know what? Let them stay in their lane with that. Because it's about togetherness. Don't let anyone shut you down. 
because, you know, it's like, yes, as, as people who are black, marginalized, indigenous and brown, you know, yes, we've been shut down. But now is the time to go, you know what? I'm not going to then shut someone else down. <laughs> that's, what, that's just where I stand. But that's my ministry. But I'm also not going to judge someone who that's my that's their tactic. Right. Everyone has their thing, because if I then judge other people, then who am I? Right. I'm doing the same thing. So it's like, I'm going to mind my business and my business is love and peace Mm -hmm. and creating art, the best art possible that will make people think and get in there, you know, ask the hard questions through art because art is the thing that has always saved us. Always, always, always. Not sports. I love sports. (laughs) We all love sports, but it's always been art. And art is the one thing that keeps getting cut in funding. So, but it always it, comes back, you know, it always finds always its way. It is back. truth. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I do have some rapid fire questions for you to round out the interview. Yes. Happiness is. Happiness is waking up. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. I feel like I'm on a game show. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, dang, yes. <laughs> there literally was all of a sudden, like, a, we were on um, with a password. <laughs> Literally, we were on password, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> so can we do it again? <laughs> okay, I have two more for you. I like that answer, though. Um, okay, I'm grateful for being. And last one what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? You're enough. Over it. and over and over and over again, you are enough. And I wish someone said that over and over as opposed to shut up as Mm -hmm. opposed to you're too much energy your energy is too much it's you're enough and you are loved Mm. I love that I just think when you say that to people with nothing with no other reason you are enough and you are loved and I see you just taking the time for someone even if you can't help them out, but taking the time to acknowledge someone, that changes the course of so many people's lives. To authentically say, I see you, whether it's through gesture or whether it's verbally or through action. And it's, you know, I'm someone, I, I, I do, I love donating. And I do it like, like that, you know? I, I, I don't, I just... Even if I'm like driving, I'll like keep like dollar bills and, I, and I'll just, you know, and some people go, you don't know what they're going to do with that money. It's not my business. I go off of energy too. You know, if I mm-hmm. see someone, I'm like, I don't know how they got to this place, but there is a story of why they're there. And they could probably be a rocket scientist. But right now they need a dollar. And if I have a dollar or an apple <laughs> or something, I'm going to give it. And I don't need to post that on Facebook. I don't do that. I don't post any of those things on Facebook or social media. Um, and I don't blame anyone who does. But for me, it makes me feel even better that, wow, you just changed the course of someone's day. And, I, and lastly, one thing I love doing. And when I go to restaurants, diners, I love diners. <laughs> I love diners. Um, I just love diners. Um, is I started to do this past two years. Uh, I will, I'll just kind of scan the 
the place and I'll just, you know, go to pay my thing and I'll say, can you pay for that person's meal? And you don't need to tell them. And like, yeah. And then I'll leave Mm -hmm. and never see those people. But the feeling that, oh, the feeling that they realize somebody paid that for me and they don't know who, what race, nothing. All they know is kindness. I believe that one little moment will change the trajectory of their day because someone has done it for me my entire life. So people have done that for me my entire life in different ways. Yeah. And so now that I've been given this rebirth, this reprieve, having a, this beautiful movie come out, you know, um, that is, I call it a new kind of family movie, right? right. It's like, you know, there's saccharin, enough saccharin to go, oh, you know, but then enough bite to go, oh, they're really dealing with some things here. You know, the trauma, all of it. It's, I'm proud of that. And the things that have been beautifully coming because of this. And I'm like, wow, this, all of the good that will come from this, I have to just say, well, that all came from kindness. So I can't be any other way but kind. Yeah. Mm, I love it. So where can our listener watch the movie that we've been talking about? Um, Find you online. Tell us all the things. Yes. Mighty Oak. Mighty Oak can be found via Apple TV. I play DB. And um, Apple TV, uh, Amazon Prime, and anywhere, uh, other, other YouTube, other um, streaming places, I believe iTunes as well. And um, you can follow me if you, like to, if you like what you're hearing. You can follow me on Instagram at Rodney Hicks here. Uh, and I'm also on YouTube, but I don't really post on YouTube not that much. <laughs> um, I just go down a hole on YouTube. I know. You know? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. And, um, and also Facebook, I have, a, it's, it's a lot of my posts are public. So, um, and I kind of go in on Facebook, uh, in terms of healing, in terms of compassion, in terms of love. So, um, and I, I always like to share backstories, you know, uh, and so just the kind of being on this other side of healing, on this other side of I me, mean, I healed from PTSD and depression and all of that. And I'm like, oh my God, that was not an easy feat. <laughs> I mean, at all. And it's not something that I'm like, I healed and I'm, no, it's like, whoa. I did not think that I, I'm 46, I didn't think that I'd make it to 21. Mm. I'll be honest, you know, I didn't. The, 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 the lack of self-care, you know, the lack of not knowing how to love yourself. So for the listeners, there's a meditation that I say to people. If you spend one month waking up, looking in the mirror, and saying three things you don't like about yourself, you'll say them really quick. And then three things that you love about yourself. That'll take a little longer until it doesn't. And I say, do that once a day for a month straight. It's going to, you literally will go, I love myself without Mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, I'm self-centered. No, something will come and you'll be able to just look at yourself and go, wow. And the selfies will kind of stop a little bit. (laughs) 
I mean, you know, the, the selfies will be from a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's all... That could go on, but anyway. I know. We need to do a follow-up at some point. I would oh, love it. So good. Oh, thank you so much, Rodney. This was a beautiful conversation. I love your mind. I love your spirit. I love your energy. Thank you for sharing with my audience. Thank you. You've been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please share it out on your social media, Instagram stories, and tag us at Motherhood Unstressed so we can share it back out and keep the conversation going on these important topics. Also, make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss out on an interview with an amazing guest or our weekly guided meditations every Wednesday. This episode is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is my line of organic USA-grown hemp that was specifically designed to help you, the listener, battle stress and anxiety naturally. And what CBD does is it helps your body's own endocannabinoid system function better. So you're sleeping better, you're experiencing less stress and anxiety, and you're able to get everything done with an overall feeling of security, of groundedness, of calm. So if you would like that in your life, head on over to motherhoodunstressed.com, click the shop tab, and use the code podcast to save.